Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm Knives Monroe. I have somebody that I've wanted on this podcast for years. Uh, his name is Cody Weber. I don't want to make him cringe. I don't want to embarrass him because I'm fanboying all over his face. But I've been a big passive observer, a.k.a. fanboy of his YouTube career, if for lack of a better term. Um, his photography, his music, there's literally nothing that he makes that I don't enjoy. And I'm not blowing smoke up his ass. I, this was just a guy that I wanted to be like when I was growing up, if I can honestly say that. So, Cody, thanks very much for being on the podcast, brother. How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, man. It's my pleasure. Do you do a lot of podcasts? Uh, no, not really. I mean, back in the day, I did a few, but I, I could count on two hands the amount that I've done. I heard a podcast. It was terrible quality that you did. It was long, though, and I just iTunes your name, and it came out, and I heard it, and it was dated, too. I think it was maybe 2015 or something, and I don't remember it, but on my bus commute back in the day, I heard it, and you dropped some gems that I hadn't otherwise heard, um, so it was great to hear that. So hopefully this is the best podcast you've ever been on. That's always kind of like a low-key goal that I have for people that I talk to. I don't do interviews. So I'm not going to Mark Marin you and like try to get into your, you know, uh, issues and things like that. Uh, I just really want it to be a chat. How much time do you have? I'm really have as much time as you need, man. I'm, I'm not really doing anything. That is epic. So where are you at right now? What are you working on? What, how do you eat? Well, uh, how I eat is actually kind of boring. I, I do family portraits and weddings, like photography wise. Oh. Um, what? What really gets my rocks off, though, is I do this photography project this whole year where every day I get a different theme and then I have to apply an idea to the theme that they give me. And I'm on day like, I don't know, 240 or something like that. And that's that's been kind of my main focus. Everything else has kind of fallen to the wayside outside of that. Wow. So who gives it to you? Like, who, where do these prompts come from? I thought you were just doing whatever you wanted every day. No, I, I, some days I wish it was that way, but, uh, this sounds I, like I actually kind of, what was that? This sounds like actual work. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it, it can be often. Sometimes it's really fun, but then they give you, like they handcuff you sometimes and they'll be like, you have to shoot at a specific F stop or, you know, a, a specific shutter speed. And those days suck. But the, the days where it's just like a, like a broad term that I can play with. It's, it's more fun than that. But the funny thing about it is at the begin at the beginning of 2019 and of 2018, I was really worried that I had fallen out of love with photography entirely. Cause normally in a month I'll have about, I don't know, between 400 and 500 edits that I've done. And in December of last year, I had 14 and the whole year was like that. I think I had less than 400 the entire year. I just spiraled into this like, I don't want to make anything type of deal, which I never dealt with before up until that point. So I was really worried that I had fallen out of love with the craft. And then I was like, I'm just going to look for like, because I, I had done a 365 in the past where I, but that, that one was, was just like whatever I wanted. I wanted to do something more challenging. So I Googled like 365 photo challenge or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of Tumblr results, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I found I found one that I thought was promising, and uh, I didn't notice it until like halfway through January that the calendar was actually for the year 2017. So it's mm-hmm. kind of been a pain in the ass because the days don't line up with the months, and like 
like some of them are specific, like Valentine's Day, but it doesn't fall on Valentine's Day. So like I'm ending up doing a Valentine's Day shoot two or three days after what was intended to be that way. So it, it can be a little bit of a pain in the ass, but I, I had already, I was already, you know, 25, 26 days into it at that point. I'm just like, I'm just going to roll with it. Wow. So this is kind of like going to sound like a passive aggressive attack. I promise you it's not, but you sound really good. You sound like you're doing well. You're obviously committed to a long term project. You know, it's hard to commit to anything to 10 days and you're already 200 and some odd days in. I mean, what's 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 2019 been for you, like in a nutshell, relative to something that was pretty dark, like 2017? Well, 2017 wasn't too dark. 2018 was was dark as fuck. OK, um, I, I, I you know, I don't have like the the gift of uh, retrospect yet. So I don't mm. really know what 2019 is going to be about. I probably won't know until midway through 2020. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like like right now, I I've, the way that I feel like it's going is I'm I'm in a good relationship, like a real healthy relationship. Well, what, what what to me is a healthy relationship I, I don't think i've ever been in one this is the healthiest that i've ever been in um is that a uh, recency we, bias or how, how do you no, know no how do you not know at all healthy? not at all what was that how do you know it's healthy uh well i mean i guess i guess i don't know that either but it just feels healthier it feels like there's a lack of criticism and judgment that i've had in prior relationships hmm. like the the girl that i'm with now seems like really committed to accepting me, especially the things that she doesn't understand. Whereas before the things that people didn't understand about me, things that I probably don't even understand about myself, they would try to change those things. Yes. You know what I mean? Of course. So, so it, I, I've always felt like I was stuffed in this box with every relationship I've been in. Hmm. But she, like when we first got together, she was like, if, if I'm ever doing something where you think I'm trying to change you, tell me, so I can stop doing that. And it's worked. Like every time I feel like she's like up my ass about something, I can just be like, like girl, like it might just be the way that I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be one of those things. And, you know, like sometimes there's like heated conversations about it. But even when they get heated, she tries to take something out of it rather than sticking to her guns with what she already believed to begin with, you know? Wow. What are some things that about yourself, as far as your self-awareness goes, would you say were things that she accepted or she understood and that she's not judging that in prior relationships you would get grilled for? Um, well, what, what do you mean specifically? Well, it sounds like you have been in some relationships where there were some red flags and you're like, I don't like how they're making me feel. Maybe they're judging me. I don't, I don't exactly know uh, what is different about this relationship as far as kind of like the baggage that you're bringing to it. What is she accepting about you? Like why, what peccadillo or flaw could you possibly have that somebody otherwise else would not accept? Uh, dude, I'm a I'm a fleshy grab bag of disorders, man. I have a lot of like, I have a lot of good days and a lot of bad days. It's I'm a really really difficult person to be with, and it it took until I was you know 30 years old before I realized this. Uh, but the I, I think the 
the hardest thing to deal with with me is that I am constantly pessimistic, you know, and that's the thing I kind of like about her that we kind of even even each other out on because she has her head way up in the clouds Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it aggravates the hell out of me. But even when it's aggravating, I I feel like we meet in the middle somewhere because I feel like I'm I'm so grounded that it's almost like I'm beneath ground a lot of the time. And I, I think it's, it's difficult to be with me specifically because of that, because if I get on like a, like a train of thought that is a, a negative headspace, I just kind of steamroll it and I can't get myself out of it. And we've been together now long enough where at first she would try to cheer me up and stuff, which is a really admirable, nice thing to do, but it doesn't work for me. It just makes me resent whoever is trying to do it. She's realized that she just has to let me have my process and she doesn't try to get in the way of it. You know what I mean? And sometimes I'll write some like really angry, negative stuff and she still wants to read it or hear it, you know? And she, and at the end of it, she's never like, even though I can tell sometimes she fucking hates what I wrote. Sometimes she's like, you know, like I can tell she wants to say that, but she doesn't. She's just like, well, that, I, I really like the way you, you said this or the, the words you use for this. And that is a level of understanding that I have not yet experienced up until this point. I see. So people are trying to, to change you essentially or make you more um, something you're not. Yeah, more palatable for sure. Like, like there's always some like there's always some overarching criticism that every woman that I've been with in my life has had about me. And they've never been the same thing. Like the one thing that someone loves about me, the next one is like, that's the thing I hate about you the most. There's no like secret sauce or whatever. Yeah. And what are some of those things? Uh, Like I said, my, my negativity for one, um, sometimes I'm incredibly short sighted. I'm impulsive. I'm, I'm hard to reason with. I'm stubborn. Um, I have a lot of like, like I have, I have a lot of self-awareness, but it's almost like it plays against me sometimes because I'm like, my self-awareness is telling me the negative things that I already know Mm -hmm. about myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, like when, when you put all that together, I, I totally understand that I am, an incredibly hard person to be with. <laughs> is she an artist? This new lady yeah, friend? Yeah, she, well, she, it, it's kind of like, it's hard to say because she would never say that she was an artist, but she's definitely artsy. She has like an appreciation for the arts, which is another thing I really value about her because historically speaking, I've always been with women that are artists and it's the fucking worst. Like I, I would never want to do it again because <laughs> I, Either they're comparing themselves to you, which sucks because then it's a competition between you and the person you're with. So there's already this like seesaw of emotion or they're trying to promote you to make themselves promoted as well. And then you feel almost like a prostitute in a way. Ah, that's shitty. I've never even, never even thought of that. I didn't even think to, that somebody would be that wormy. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I'm, I would, I'm, I will, I'm very fortunate I never... that I'm with an artist and I've been in the same relationship for six years. And she does her shit. I do my shit. 
I'm oddly more successful than her, but she's a better artist than me. She's got a better sense of proportions and just uh, she looks at all my stuff and she critiques it and she makes it better. I look at her stuff and I'm like, it's done. It's perfect, you know? Um, Right. But obviously, I think capitalism is in tandem with a meritocracy to an extent. But maybe I think if I got anything on her, it's just more um, camera friendly charisma. I could bear my man tits to the public. I think that's, I think that goes far <laughs> in this circus, you know, but she's a better artist, but we've never, I don't, I've never felt a competitive vibe with her ever. And I would well, have never is- nutted in her and made a baby if I, if, if we did. <laughs> well, that is, that is a super beautiful thing, man. I just, I have not experienced that in my own existence. Every artist that I date, it's always <laughs> one or the other. And like, I used to date this girl that, that she like is 10,000 times the writer that I am. Like even to this day, the stuff that I read from her blows my mind. Like she's just, she just has that like next level skill that you either have or you don't. Yeah. And like, that was as close as I got to it because like we weren't really ever competing for one another, but that was almost worse in a way because our relationship became the art that we made. You know what I mean? So like every mm. little thing that we did sounds became, romantic in a way it, it, from the outside, probably, yeah. but yeah. living in it, it, it almost seemed like you were, you were doing things just to have a poem or to have a narrative, you know, mm-hmm. like you weren't ever doing something just to do it mm-hmm. or to have the experience. It's always like, well, I wonder what I, I remember specifically hanging out with her sometimes and wondering what she was going to say about that specific instance, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. completely takes you out of the moment itself. Yeah. But short, but short of that, you know, and we were both really young at the time. So neither one of us were even trying to make art a career. It was just something that we did. And I think that played into the fact that it didn't, it didn't, you know, come up the way that it has in the time since. Man, I got a lot of questions to ask you. Um, I didn't write any down or anything, but <laughs> um, since you kind of brought it up, I'm curious. I don't know if you find this interesting or compelling, but I have to ask about your your process. I don't know if you've defined it. I don't know if you can articulate how you do something. I'm sure it's intuitive. You strike me as a very... Um, primal and instinctive sort of you said it yourself spontaneous impulsive sort of um artist you know like if you if you get hit the riff just comes out maybe you remember it maybe you don't but mm-hmm. you're a freak of nature in so far as you can play drums you can play guitar vocals you can rap apparently like that's when i saw that you were doing that i gotta admit i was like this motherfucker like another thing like you really are. Did, you really are did, Bull Burnham. I, 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 I appreciate it, but I, I think you're giving me a little too much credit. <laughs> I think I'm – it's one of those like I'm a jack of all trades but a master of none type of situation. You know? I disagree. I think I'm, I, I think I'm pretty good at, at a bunch of things, but I don't think I'm like transcendent at any of them. <sighs> but again, it's subjective. You know what I mean? Like, it is. It, so it's, it's hard to say. I, I think if you were transcendent in one of those fields, it would, man, shit, it would probably be photography. It would probably be because I've been doing photography for 10 years and I suck shit 
<laughs> it's like get a clue knives but that doesn't stop me from from trying to make ends meet but you're someone that i'm like how does he do that i want to do that how does he what camera does he have like i'm like uh i'm not that guy but it's like you're such a visual poet um as far as being a, a jack of all trades you certainly are but a master of none i think you would reject whatever medium you were a, a black a black belt in. i think you'd reject it and be like eh I don't yeah, know if you probably. would embrace that. I mean, that. and I and I do take like a certain amount of pride in the fact that all the things that I do, people that are professionals in them generally don't like the stuff I make. Like professional photographers generally don't like what I do. Professional writers generally hmm. don't like what I do. I kind of reject that like like hoity-toity like pretension that comes with becoming a professional in something. I don't want to be a professional. I feel like the kind of art I want to make is like. I want to do really lowbrow stuff. You know what I mean? I want I something do. that factory workers and, you know, people that, that are bartenders or, or bar flies even can really sink their teeth into. When I, when I meet someone that, that doesn't have like the life experience that I've had, you know, like the, like growing up super dirt poor and stuff, when they like my stuff, it's always super perplexing to me because I've, I don't understand how I'm like, what, what is it that you like? Like, it, it makes very little sense to me. Hmm. So, gosh, you just opened up a can of worms there, but I'm going to try to put a, a pin in that. A, about your process. Right, um, right, right. How, how does it work? You know, uh, obviously you can't have the same process, or maybe you do, with photography that, that you do with music. And even then with music, there's what comes first, lyrics, a, a drum beat, a bass line. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a musical bone in my body. So walk me through, like, how, obviously you weren't born this way. You, you put in the 20,000 hours. How did you, when did you know that you made a first down and you were like, Oh, I'm good at this. Oh, I found my voice. Oh, I do have a style. I do have an aesthetic. Oh, this is what I like to do. This is my taste. This is my, the bubble that I work in. This is the genre, what have you. Like, how did you find that? And do you just walk into something and kind of just put it out? Or do you still wrestle with concepts and ideas? I, I don't think I have found my voice in most of the things I do. God damn think, it, Cody. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think I have. Like the stuff that I make, I don't feel like I'm, I don't think I've reached what I want to reach yet, but that's what keeps me motivated to keep doing it. Hmm. You know, as far as the, the process goes, I don't really think there is one. And I think that goes back to my impulsivity or whatever, because I am, I just wake up and whatever I want to do that day, that's kind of what I do. Like this year, especially it's kind of been, I'm forcing myself with the photography thing because I wanted to rediscover my love for it, which I have, but for the most part, and this is what I'm kind of excited about once this year is over with it, being able to go back to, to this is just waking up. And if I want to write, then I go and I write. If I want to take photos, I go take photos. If I want to make music, I'd go do that. And it's probably why I do so many different things because there are a lot of days where I wake up and the the same thing I wanted to do yesterday, I want nothing to do with today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The yeah. only thing that I ever feel like I feel like I have any kind of process with, and it's what I feel like I am in my in my core is is writing. I feel like I'm a writer first. You know, it's the it's the art form that I first discovered. I've been doing it since I could read. I didn't know I was writing. I just started doing it. And it's the only thing that I do where if I don't do it for a long time, I feel incredibly guilty. 
Like there's this guilt that just eats at me and I'll just write 20 things that suck to get to that one thing that I'm like, okay, this isn't bad. You know, have you found your voice with writing? No, no, not at all. Sometimes I feel like I am a, a poor man's version of the people that I enjoy. You know, like when I, when I write poetry, I feel like I'm a poor man's Bukowski. When I, when I write like thinly veiled criticisms, I feel like I'm a poor man's Chuck Klosterman. Like, it, or, a, or, or if I'm like, you know, if I'm wanting to write about like my drug and alcohol experiences, I feel like I'm a poor man's Hunter S. Thompson. You know what I mean? Like, a, hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing new that you can do. And I feel like even those people are derivative of the people that they enjoyed, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't bother me. And I feel like maybe, maybe you don't know if you found your voice or whatever. You just kind of do what you do and then other people define your voice for you. It's possible. I remember I made a movie in 2012 and a criticism that I got um, was, yeah, all the characters sounded like you. They didn't really have their own voice, their own perspective. They all sounded like knives. And I took that to heart. I take most criticisms critically. But that one hit hard enough for me to be like, yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I don't want them to sound like me. You know, I want them to sound like them. And I felt like I had to course correct that. And now I put a lot of time into writing for that character. I need to know who that is. And I stick with that. And that's who they are. And I let them do the writing or talking or what have you. Um, And that was a moment where I was like, I made some, I got to the, to end, to the end zone. I keep talking, I keep using these football metaphors. I don't even fucking know anything about football, but I got close. <laughs> it's okay to, with me. Cause I, I love football. So, okay, great. So I, I was me. in field goal range. <laughs> I felt like I made some, um, some headway there. And then I made a second movie and then I found my voice and I was like, Oh, this is my style. This is how I do things. This is how I do it. When my first film, I was trying to be like, X, Y, and Z, like you said, like derivative. Um, so that was an example possibly of someone telling me like, hey, this is what you're doing. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And then I, I found it and now I can just tap into that. You don't, you don't feel that way about any of the mediums? No. And in, in fact, I, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm getting into that where I'm, I'm kind of doing something that feels like it's exclusively me. I will try to do something completely different just to get out of that. Cause I, I like, I, I feel like when you look at something I've made or you've read something I've made, you can tell it's me, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know how that is because I'm constantly trying to change everything I'm doing. It might, it might be a defense mechanism or trying to grow or something. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I, I don't ever want to get comfortable with anything I make. But at the same time, I also don't want to try because if you, when you when you try you can tell you know yeah. what i mean like the the best stuff i've ever made happened when i wasn't trying it just happened yeah who has that quote don't try i think bukowski. i think that's i think that's bukowski yeah yeah i think his tombstone says that i want to say yeah yeah it does it it's does. fucking gnarly one thing i i saw in you some 10 years ago i can't believe it's been that long probably longer yeah, we're getting um, old, man. Yeah, no, you're getting <laughs> old. I'm fucking going, I'm Benjamin Button, man. My kids keep me young, like, they really do. Once my youngest 
is 18 and she moves out, like, I think I'll really lose my, my fingers on the pulse and uh, I'll fight for some sort of relevancy or something. But right now I kind of feel like I got a grasp on shit. I don't know how long that'll last. It won't last forever, but really, I I feel like I'm, I'm excited to reach old age because I won't have to give a shit anymore. You know what I mean? I can just be like, I'm old. I don't fucking understand. (laughs) And the cool thing is, is the older you get, the more shit you can get away with. Like if, if you saw like an 85 year old senile man, just like jerking off naked at a bus stop. Yeah. No, but he wouldn't even get arrested. They just take him home. That's a fact. Not, not saying I want to be that guy, but just to have that freedom. I feel like the elderly (laughs) have a freedom that the young just can't even comprehend. That's power. That's real power right there. But one (laughs) thing I saw in you when, when you still had a twinkle in your eye, when you were so young, um, you were on your Bieber shit back in the day. Just kidding. And one thing I saw in you that I saw in me, it was like looking in the mirror was, and this makes us sound really old, but I saw a punk rock quality in you where you cared, but you actually really fucking didn't. And you actually didn't, and you were going to hurt yourself to show people that you didn't fucking care. And you didn't care that you hurt yourself, which was like authentic to me. And I well, saw that's it in kind your of, work. That, that, that's kind of like the whole ethos of like, good indie art i think i I forget who told me this it's not my quote and i don't want it attributed to me because it's not mine but um someone told me that you know gen xers were about not giving a shit you know what i mean our generation we we don't give a shit but we passionately don't give a shit you know what i mean it's it it like it Mm. becomes an inverse of itself Mm. because you you care so much that it makes you not give a shit and then you don't give a shit so much that you begin to care because you don't give a shit. It's almost paradoxical in a way. I think so. And I see it in your work. And what you just laid out right there to me is that's put that shit in your fucking memoir. Like that to me is what it is. You know, if if I could distill three things that made me the artist that I am in no order, uh, the visual artist was... Jackass on MTV, um, professional wrestling, and oh, I had the third one, but I can't recall. Those two things were so was so like redheaded stepchildren art forms, like they're bastards art forms. They're not they weren't taken seriously, but they were really transgressive to me and to my mind when I was a kid. Like pro wrestling, I didn't care that it was fixed i just thought it was insane that this was okay i just thought it was insane i I still i still love pro wrestling at least 90s pro wrestling i don't really get too much into the modern stuff but i definitely understand what you're talking about it was it was escapism in like a really base way and it like fed on your like primal instincts or something it was also this choreographed you know um method acting performance art stunt choreography that was in a 360 degree stadium you know very kind of roman greek and i don't know just the fact that you could go on a highway and backyard wrestle or like kind of like a and if it's consensual it's a performance like that was really that just like was like my to, spectrum that I love. To me, to me, it's more. It's it was more like a circus. I like guess it's, it's like old school carny stuff. Exactly. And I feel like that that philosophy is still very prevalent in the medium itself. It is now. No. I think most of like current wrestling, and I'm caught up a little. I think now 
they just completely don't even try to fake it anymore. They don't want to pretend like it's real. I think everybody just knows what it is. And I think they've embraced that. And it's, it's a lot like acting. Like I don't want to know Emma Stone. I just want to see the characters that she plays. I don't care about her, the person, but now wrestlers want us to care about Jake, the snake, the person, you know what I mean? Right. Which I, you know, I, I respect that. That's like, it's like getting a peek behind the curtain or whatever, but I, you know, like I, you, you lose a little bit of the fantasy. Like I, like even to this day, I listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast sometimes. And I love that, like at a, a, a flip of a switch, he can turn on that character. Yeah. And even now at 30 years old, I still believe it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I know it's fake, yeah. but there's a part of me inside that is like, that is what he's doing is so beautiful and it's so underappreciated, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I feel like modern wrestling has become so hyper aware of itself that mm-hmm. you lose the the dignity that it had. Yes. When when you still had kayfabe, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like Elvis can't be a tragedy today, almost. And I kind of am okay with that. I like a little danger in my art. Jackass to me was I don't even know what it is still to this day, and it's been twenty years removed. I was watching Jackass three or something. It was on Hulu with my son, who's going to be fourteen. <laughs> And he was just like, what is this? Is this a movie? Is this a documentary? Is this real? <laughs> and I couldn't answer. I was like, uh, uh I don't know. <laughs> it's like. I mean, the the, the I answer is yes to all of it. <laughs> yes, like, it I, is. I actually, I have a whole theory about Jackass because I'm a huge fan of Jackass too. <laughs> I, I think Jackass was the modern day equivalent of the Three Stooges. Mm. And the thing, the thing that made, and this is something that like modern prankers and people like that don't understand is that if you watch old school three stooges and even you know jackass stuff it was never ever mean-spirited it was all inflicted upon themselves that's right and there was like a there was like a a joyous thing about it because it was a it was just people goofing off with each other they never made other people the butt of the jokes they were the butt which made it okay to laugh at yes because you know what i mean like a lot of a lot of things you see today like it it's inspired by jackass but they they miss that crucial thing where they're making the audience the the victim of the prank and it 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 becomes mean-spirited almost you know like i can't i can't watch it and this you know like someone tried to compare the the paul brothers to Mm -hmm. the jackass crew Mm -hmm. the other day like i had this whole conversation about it and i was just like i almost got mad because like it's not even close to the same thing it's just like like sure, like maybe the 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 visual aspect of it might be similar, but the philosophy behind it is a hundred percent different, and it's the philosophy that made Jackass what it was, at, at least in in my opinion. No, I totally agree, for sure. And like if you look at Stevo today, he is still you know pulling out his teeth or like you know I don't know the burning his body and stuff like that, but he's like an old artist he's like he's like a uh, gosh i'm trying to compare him to somebody but he's kind of like a daniel day of his of what he does of his milieu oh. like he looks at it very introspectively he can say oh here's where i got the concussion and i mean that's i don't know if I we'll mean, see it, jake and logan looking at their careers 20 years from now in that way i don't think we will no and it, it's it's also like it's funny you mentioned steve-o because steve the one person in that whole steve and bam margera both of them have this the same quality where they had just this compulsion to document mm-hmm. like 
like if you watch Steve-O's newest videos, he has one. I don't remember what it's what he's talking about in it, but there's like a shot of all the stuff he's filmed, and he literally has hundreds of these mini DV tapes, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like he just has had this compulsion to document and make stuff, yeah. you know, and that that that's where he found value. And it, right. he's one of the few, like the rare exceptions, because he grew up very affluent, and yeah. you know his, his dad was like the head of Pepsi or some shit like that. Yeah, in England or something, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's had like an insane life, but he's still like he he's one of the few that like, you know, he didn't he 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 lives a life to create and to put something into the universe that wasn't there before, and that's where he finds his intrinsic value and. I, I I know Bam Margera is like a total walking piece of shit a lot of the time, and everyone I know that's met him has had nothing but bad things to say. But he the the dude has a, an appreciation for art, and he wants to put stuff out into the world. I don't like everything he's done. I don't I don't like a lot of the stuff that he personally makes himself. But I love that he has that energy about him that he has to do it because I understand it. Hundred percent. Did you ever see the movie feature film that he made called Haggard? I did see Haggard. That was like very. I mean, I was in high school when I saw it, but the fact that I could look at something like that and know that maybe there was a script, maybe there wasn't, um, maybe they're acting, maybe they're not. Like that gave me permission to be like, oh, that counts. Oh, I can make. I can make a movie. You know, it Honestly, had that was that was one of the ones that that made me feel like I could do it too because mm-hmm. you could tell they weren't professionals, and I also love that you know sometimes the shots weren't weren't great sometimes they looked bad right you know the 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 characters in the film didn't have perfect teeth that's something that drives me fucking crazy mm. in TV and movies and even now YouTube today is the second anyone gets like a little bit of of fame at all yep. their entire grill changes you yep. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like I, I feel like if you if you have historically perfect teeth, if you've had perfect teeth your entire life, it puts you in on a different socioeconomic level. That makes it harder to understand people that didn't have the luxury of going to the dentist and stuff like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't know why I view it like that, but it's almost like, I, and I hate that about myself. It's almost like yeah. a me versus them mentality, mm-hmm. and it's probably a lot of it might be rooted in jealousy too. But the 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 weird thing about that is, is there's been times I've met people and, you know, they, they grew up super affluent and they're, they're jealous of that. I had the opportunity to struggle. You know what I mean? Cause I, yes. there's a fear, there's a fear that they have that I just don't, you yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. Like they don't even know what rock bottom is. Um, I don't know how much you know about me, but before we get there, one brain that was responsible for jackass was spike jones who's a tremendous visual artist music yeah, videos him. feature films i'm sure you've seen his movies and you've you felt a way about them i went back and i found a fat boy slam video on youtube it looks like shit um for praise you the song uh-huh. where spike jones is doing like an interpretive dance movement and it's very jackassian in terms of you know, it's not scripted. It's not choreographed. It looks like a, you know, very poor Danish film. And it was the most refreshing piece of art music video that I had seen in a long time. And I remember it from 20 some odd years ago, but man, I, I don't care 
if it makes you famous today, actually, it probably won't. I don't care if it's not going to make you money today, but if I can just get to that place where I feel, quote unquote, confident to make whatever the fuck I want, the art that I want, when I want to make it, how I want to make it, deliver it, just put it out there and walk away and just feel good about it. Like that to me, you can't quantify that. I'm chasing that fucking high. Like I'm Uh just chasing that. Like you can't put a price on that. That's, that's my, that's my philosophy. That's, that's very interesting to me because I, I don't think I share that with you because I, I think that for me, it's a, it's the only thing that I'm even decent at. Like I'm not, I'm not good at anything else when it comes to like real life stuff. I'm (laughs) garbage at everything. Like I'm bad at everything that most people are just naturally gifted at. We'll get into that later. But, um, on top of that, I make stuff because it's like a, it's like an itch I have to scratch. Like I don't ever make something chasing a high or like, I want to make something and feel good about it. In Mm. fact, most of the time, once I'm done with something, I abandon it completely and try to never think about it again. Cause I'm always about like, what's, what's the next thing I'm going to do, you Mm. know? For me, it's it's literally like there's like, like this itch in my chest that the only way I can itch it is by making something. And how I feel about it after the fact doesn't even come into play because most of the time, two weeks after I make something, I, I hate the thing I made. Mm-hmm. Well, we share that for sure. Um, at the same, like, I feel both ways. Like, I definitely <laughs> resent... You know, it's hard to accept a compliment when someone's like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, you have shit taste. You don't mean that. I didn't try. Fuck you. Um, It's not as good as it should be. And I carry around that guilt. But then there are, I'm also like my own biggest fan. I also Uh go back to my stuff and I'm like, how did I fucking do that? How did I have the audacity to do that? Um, So I kind of just wanted to um, end that chapter on the whole jackass thing. And I'm glad we were able to, to relate to that. But Spike Jones, um, yeah, that music video, like I, I like to bleed in my work. Like I did this vlog or something video in 2009 and I don't know how I got away with it, but, um, Oh, I probably shouldn't say this. It sounds so bad, but I'm just going to tell the truth. It was like this, just this art piece. And I, I, I took a razor blade and I, I cut my forehead like the way, you know, like a Mick Foley would. And, just bled all over my bathroom and it was just, it was pretty gnarly. And it just most recently got taken down like just a couple months ago. And I was like, this thing was up for 11 years. Like how, how did that happen? And I was proud of that because I just wanted to give something that nobody else, just that extra mile that nobody else wanted to give. And that is like a high that I chase. Like if I write a script it needs to be so personal and so I can't believe you wrote that dangerous, you know, something at stake. That's the only way I can live with it or, or bite it. Like that video that I made, um, you know, dedicated to you and kind of like this old school video response from the old school YouTube days. That's what it reminded me of. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I, I had that itch and I had to scratch it, but I also, said everything that made me nervous to say and that's why I felt good about it there are times where I put the mask on and I'm going through the motions 
and it'll get the attention that I didn't necessarily anticipate, and I don't like it. I can't enjoy that because I wasn't me. Authenticity and living and dying on my sword on my own terms is what I'm fucking after. Like that, that is the high. Oh yeah. Well, I I think I think that's a that's another thing. Is I don't I don't know. Like I I, I struggle with with identity a lot of the time. Like sometimes I feel like I am a character a lot of the time. Like I, I like the idea of being authentic doesn't even occur to me because I, I, I like there are times where I've I've just had really contradictory views about the same exact thing, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I've expressed it, you know, and I, I, I suppose that makes me a hypocrite, but I just have a really hard time with the idea of Cody Weber as, as like a, like an identity. It's, it's to me, it's more like a mask that I put on and people get out of it what they will. So who is Cody without the mask? Your guess is as good as mine. You don't know. No, I have no clue. I mean, honestly, like if 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 I'm being a hundred percent honest with you, I used to think I had a relatively decent grasp on that, uh, but I decided to to try DMT once, and it completely altered my perception of who I was as a person, and I've never really came back from that. And that was probably. Shit, seven or eight years ago, and I don't want to sound melodramatic or anything because it was also like this incredibly cathartic, beautiful experience for me to like shed my own skin, kind of. But it, it was all—it was also like my conscious brain and my subconscious brain were having a conversation, and then there was this third party, which was me somehow too listening to both of them, and they were violently arguing with one another. And I was just sitting witness to both of them. And then when I came down from that, I struggled with which one of those three things are me. And I don't think, I think they're all me. And I think none of them are me. And I think I am a product of my environment. And depending on the day, I might, I might love something one day and hate it the next. I know it, it, it almost sounds like borderline personality disorder or something. Dude, this but is why I don't. This, this is why I love you. So, I'm afraid to get to go through those. And genuinely afraid. Not a, not much scares me, but I don't want to go do the work and get my mental checked because I don't want a label. And I know there's something. I tell people I'm a functioning manic depressive because I only have highs and lows. I don't got no medium. Like I don't. I was very high earlier today and I got a text and then I was super fucking low today, like low, low, low. And that's not good. Like for any avatar, it's just not good. Having said that I can, I've never took DMT. I actually have drug free tattooed on my knuckles, but you know, you grow up and then you realize, well, caffeine is a drug. So, and God knows I can't live without that. So jokes on me. Right. I, but, and honestly, I wish I was that way. Like I have to stay away from most things because I feel like it's in my cards, like my genetic cards to same. really, really, really enjoy drugs. And same. every drug I've ever done besides a couple, I've fucking had great experiences on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm 45% <laughs> like it, Native American. I took an ancestry DNA test and it's less than I thought, but I'm sure it's in my code, 
you know, peyote and cannabis and God, everything else. My, my father was a drug dealer. My grandpa was a drug dealer. My uncles were drug dealers. Like it's, I'm scared. Like I, I've never had a good trip. I've smoked weed. I've, I'm not good with it. There are like, I envy the, the Joe Rogans and the Seth Rogans and I guess shit, every Rogan out there who who's really, really good at with that. Like I can't, I can't do that. Um, I can't even drink. Like I have no sense of portion control. Like it's, and I feel like it's, it's nuclear. It's in my brain. So I I relate to you there, but I did drop acid in 2013 and I had a similar experience. I'm sure it wasn't as intense as DMT, but I heard for the first fucking time, the real, the real me, the real me voice in my head. And I knew it was the real me because I missed it. It was familiar. And I hadn't heard that voice in a long time. And it was talking to the ego. And I knew it was the ego because all it wanted was to be satiated and focused on. And it wanted the spotlight on itself. And the real me told the ego that it's responsible for all my suffering. Which was another way of saying I'm responsible for all my suffering. And it was... I had to forgive myself because the ego is its own thing. It's primal, it's reptilian, it's old school. It just wants to come, to eat, repeat. Like that's all it wants is to be numb and satiated. But the real me is the ambitious me, is the, the virtuous me, the me that likes hugs, the me that doesn't let go of the hug first, like the, the inner child me. And I gotta aren't tell they, you, aren't they? Aren't they both you though? They're they're they are all me for sure, but there is a yin and a yang, and you have the darkness inside the light and the light inside the darkness, and I have to feed one more, and I have to starve the other one, um, and I it has to be fifty one forty nine or I'm no fucking good. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good way to look at it, honestly. It, it took work, um, and I, I don't think I arrived at any conclusion, but acid was always something I wanted to dabble with and try just because of like the Beatles or whatever, and they made it sound really neat in all the movies, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know if I would ever do something really hardcore, maybe DMT, if I'm in a very safe space, but it's not something I, I go out and try to, try to do. I'm, I'm honestly low-key terrified because... As you should be, because it's, it's really not something to mess around with. I, I don't want. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I have I have a few buddies that that drop DMT all the time, Whew. and it. But it's 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 kind of telling of their personality because they're the least self aware human beings on earth. It's almost like a like a twenty minute like ecstasy for them. Not ecstasy, the drug, but the emotion. Yeah, like it's like it's not introspective at all. And it, it, that is so odd to me because every psychedelic drug I've ever done has been a super personal experience for me. It's not something I can just do lightly. Even mushrooms are like, they were very introspective for me. Like I kind of sunk in on myself a little bit when I did them. Uh, but I, I think, I think my, my issue is, is I think I am a more compassionate and more loving human being if I'm on something whether it be pot or booze or, you know, even, even 
I feel like I'm, I'm energetic and lively when I've, when I've done cocaine, I feel like I'm lovable and empathetic when I drink. I feel like I am more compassionate when I smoke weed. I feel like me at my, at my sober state is almost like a numbness. You know what I mean? Like there's not a, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm boring. I'm, I don't want to do anything. I just want to be like, in a dark room by myself. I don't want to have relationships with anybody. But the second I put something in my system, you know, and that's what I fight is, and, and it, it also doesn't help that I feel like almost everybody that I know personally would agree with me that I'm at, at the very least, I'm more fun when I'm on something. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I do. I, I just, I, you know, you don't want to be the 40 year old that needs that to be fun. I mean, but I'm already the 30 year old that, that does. I think when you're in your thirties, you can kind of get away with it, you know, in the twenties, it's like you push your body to see how can I break it? Right. And then you break it and you're like, okay, there's my limit. And the thirties, like it's more recreational, I think historically anyways, but you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think I'm going to be that guy that once my kids grow up and I can just go to Europe, I'm going to fuck off and not be heard of or heard from again, maybe for like 20 years, I'll make mm-hmm. my way back to New Hampshire and I will start writing and it'll be a bunch of, um, like drug diary stuff like that's the romantic in me i yeah, i'd yeah, like that sure. to be the case um i had heard I mean, kinda, oh i remember the it, third it, influence i just i just because it came to me so it was jackass professional wrestling and how could i forget trey parker and matt stone the, co- the co-creators of south park those guys shaped my political views my religious views my comedic perspective everything definitely uh, my sense of humor and and mike judge too i have to give credit to him as well Interesting. Very interesting. I, I, I don't disagree with that. The reason why I bring up Trey Parker and Matt Stone is I think I heard on an interview, maybe they were on Conan or something back in the day, like I saw it live. And Trey had said that he had told his dad, I'm giving myself until 30 to make it. And if I don't make it at, until 30, then, then I'll you know go live the straight life or whatever. And he made it. And he had said that you know he went to college, he was a good guy, he was a good kid, he never did drugs, never drank, never smoked a cigarette in his 20s, and then in his 30s is when he started to party. And he was like, that was his advice, was just stay on the straight and narrow path in your 20s, your 20s are going to suck, but then in your 30s, go fucking hard and enjoy that shit. And so me, a very uh, impress, impre- impressionable? impressionable kid was like, I'm going to take that advice. And I sacrificed a lot in my 20s, and I feel like, you know, knock on wood, I feel like it is paying off for my 30s, man. Like, I was, I was scared about that. Like, I didn't want, you know, I fucked up a lot in my 20s, a lot. And it was always for the idea that it'd be for the greater good, and so I'd have something to say or some experience or something to give a value for my 30s if I can make it. Do you do you wrestle with anything like that whatsoever? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I do. I think that uh, you have a gift of thinking about a future that I don't have. <laughs> I, you know, like I, I wish I did, but I think that it goes back to just being how impulsive I am. I yeah. just, I, I 
don't think about what I'm going to do in my 40s. When I was in my 20s, I didn't think I'd, I, to be honest, I didn't think I'd make it to 30, yeah. especially in my early 20s when I was doing a lot of drugs. Jokes really on you. Didn't, really didn't think I'd make it this far. So now that I'm here, I'm just kind of like, I kind of feel like I'm like one of those scents that's just like drifting in the breeze, you know, like wherever it pushes me, that's just where I am. Like, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of like intent behind anything I do. Like when I, like in my twenties, I definitely had like a little spark of like, I want to, I want to make it whatever it is. But once I hit like 25, 26, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want this. And then once I, I did a project that actually started to get momentum and I was, you know, I was on MTV and CNN and uh, on newspaper covers and stuff like that, suddenly I realized I, this is awful. Like now I'm, I'm really worried about everything I've ever done in my life ever. What was and awful now, about it? <clears throat> everything. Like I, I didn't like the attention it was giving me. Like there was a part of me that did for sure. Like the, the more like ego-based part of me that was like, finally, I'm getting some attention for the work I'm putting in. Mm -hmm. That part of it was rewarding and nice. But there's a lot of vultures that come out the second you do anything that, that picks up steam at all. Like I've had, I, I had people that apparently are my cousins that I didn't know were related to me that were just like, hey, man, we, we need to do a family shoot sometime. You know, like, like they just kind of like pick at your bones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just realized like, I couldn't imagine it on like a big scale. Like the, like I have a lot of like almost sympathy for like mega stars like Bieber or, you know, Ariana Grande or whoever else is famous now. I don't, I don't know. But like there's, there's a level of like, you can't trust anybody you talk to ever, including your family members, you know, a lot of the time because yeah. every people just come out of the woodwork. Like the second I had even like a modicum of, success mm -hmm. i like i it's it's almost like i sabotaged it intentionally yeah, like i, I didn't it. i didn't i didn't finish the project that i spent three and a half years doing <sighs> you know i i i i have like a you know a hazy goal in the future of like someday you'll get back to it and it'll be fine but the second it started getting popular i'm just i'm just like i feel like i'm in this box and i was with somebody at the time that kept trying to make my work about them and you know when we split up she changed the passwords to all the sites and even even took over my facebook account like my business facebook account and changed the name of it and her reasoning behind it was if it wasn't for me you wouldn't be anything you wouldn't you would like it's it's all like the credit belongs to me Ooh, dude that's a fucking nightmare yeah i can't it, believe it that. was it, it's it a was. fucking nightmare so like, I just, I don't know, like for me now, it's not about what is going to happen when I make something. It's, it's just that itch. It's a, it's a compulsion. It's the only thing I'm good at. It's the only thing that makes me feel like I have any value at all. It makes me feel good to make people feel pretty or to make people feel like they're, they're giving like they're they're finally being artistic in a way that they didn't feel they were capable of being prior to doing something with me i really like working with people that have an artistic streak and i can feel it in them but they they've never had a chance to explore it, it that makes me feel like i'm giving something to the world and not not like the world as a whole but like someone's personal world which to me is a way more gratifying and be way more important because the the whole like if 
if you look at the world as a whole, I think it's fucking disgusting. I hate, I hate it. I wish I was on Mars by myself. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm in part, of, like I'm a part of people's personal worlds, those worlds are oftentimes beautiful. You know, those are the worlds that I give a shit about. I don't really care about the rest of it. Yeah, happiness is only real when shared, right? They say that, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel really happy when I'm by myself, too. <laughs> you know, I do to an extent, you know, um, there are some sunsets and some places I've traveled where I'm like, this is nice, but there's, you know, there's something in the water. Like, I can't enjoy this because certain people aren't here. Um, that maybe if they were there, I probably wouldn't even, it, I, the grass is always greener. I'd be like, eh, this person kind of ruined it for me. Who knows? But Yeah, well, yeah, I was, I was going to say the inverse of that is there have been times where I've, I've sat witness to a beautiful sunset and the person I was sharing it with wouldn't shut the fuck up and enjoy it. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yes. So, like, it goes both ways. Like, for me... I'm I'm struggling to to do it, but I'm trying to do it. Is whatever situation I'm in, just make the most of what it is. If I'm by myself and I see a beautiful sunset, that's exactly the way it should be. If I'm if I'm there, even if I'm there with someone that won't stop talking when I really don't want them to talk, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be anything else, you know. Like all roads led to that. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating perspective, and it's. It's something I can really get behind. I go back to a decade ago when YouTube was pure-er, and I saw you, and I it was like the first. It was like not being in high school, and you see like an indie kid, and you're like, "Oh, he's got Chuck Taylors. I've never even seen those before. That's neat. Oh, he's got a camera. Oh, I didn't even know kids our age could own a camera. Oh, he dyes his hair pink." Well, that's cool. His parents must not give a shit. Like you were like that kid where I was like, you could be that, (laughs) you know? And I would go to Blockbuster and Hollywood video and, you know, all these little indie stores in my neighborhood. And my favorite film section was the indie film section. And now that genre is like terrible. I fucking hate it now. But back in the day, you'd find a cool gem like, uh, this movie called Ghost World with Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson before she became a star. And another movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt called Mysterious Skin. And I'd find these little indie darlings and I'd be like, man, like these people deserve all the attention. They deserve all the fame. Like how come no one's ever heard of this? Like I was like that hipster. And you were like that, the first person artist that I ever saw on YouTube where I was like, this is like the first indie kid on YouTube. Look at him. Like, you could be that? This kid's got it all figured out. And that's the way I honestly saw it for years. Which um, is honestly really interesting to me because I definitely didn't have anything figured out. I still don't. That's so weird. Like, I don't know why I feel this way. Um, and don't don't get it twisted, but... I feel like you should, in a, in a perfect world, you'd have a dream and you'd be in, en route to that dream and you'd get that dream and then you'd be on to the next and you'd be happy about that, you know? And you're, pav- you're paving the way through with art money and it's on your terms. Like I, 
I almost need that for you. You're like, you know how, I don't know what your relationship with your parents were like exactly, but like, you know, my father was never there. I'm cool about it now. I've accepted it. It's just what it is. It's like fucking air. It's like oxygen. It's just there. And I... I did as a kid feel like, man, it'd be nice to have a dad and he should care and he should be like this. He should be like goofy in the goofy movie. Like he should give a shit. Uh-huh. And uh, idealistically, and I don't know, it just came from media. It just came from television. And I mean, I, I kind of, that's an unfair as... expectation to have, but I feel that same unfair expectation. Like with you, I'm like, you're like my brother from another mother, like creatively speaking. And I'm like, this guy should be living the indie dream because he's fucking talented. Like, what else is the qualifier here? Like, he's talented. He's more talented. Like, I'm trying to be as good as this guy. Like, he's got it all. And so it's, I don't, man, like, it's so, what a, what a dickhead I am for even feeling this way. Like, who the fuck am I? Like, for, to tell you fit in this silhouette, like, no, no, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think that at all. Like I, uh, like I definitely have like a like a similar like. Why am I not? I <laughs> I I see people all the time that I don't feel, and this is again ego talking, but people that I don't feel are as good as me mm-hmm. at a certain thing that I do. Yeah, and they're doing crazy awesome things. Like like especially some of the TV crews that came down. Like it really became apparent to me when they came down to work with me that half of them didn't know an f-stop from their asshole mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they they really didn't have whatever it is that i think i have they just didn't have it and i'm like why are you doing the thing that i you should be the one on this side of the camera because oftentimes they were way more charismatic than me you know like mm-hmm. you should be the one in front like th- let's just switch places real quick you know what i mean yeah but mm-hmm. I, I i feel like there's a lot of factors like you kind of unloaded so let me kind of please take the like as a, as segmented as I can. First of all, I, I I had the luxury of of having a really good family. Like me and my family are all Ooh, really tight. You know, like my my dad is like he had you know he has his faults and his issues and stuff like that. But he was a damn good father to me. Hmm. My my mom takes interest in everything I do and and tries to stay current with what I'm making and stuff like that. I. I think she would have preferred if I would have taken a different route. You know, she she says all the time that she thinks I would have been a really good lawyer because I'm I love arguing with people and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I think she, you know, the mom in her wishes I was doing that instead of still doing photo shoots for a hundred bucks a pop and shit like that. But you know, it's not like a like a I'm disappointed in you type of thing. It's more just like, dude, you could be making bank type of situation. But so that that's one one thing. Like I. I, I didn't have what a lot of artists get with, which is the luxury of having a shitty family. I had a family that was super supportive of me, bought my first cameras, let me be a weirdo, never tried to get me to be somebody I wasn't. In fact, if I was ever acting like I was not my, like what they perceived to be me, they would straight up sit me down and be like, why are you doing what you're doing? Which mm. gave me a sense of like, I can really say and do whatever I want. Mm. I didn't have that like, prison that a lot of kids had which i think kind of fostered my creativity in a way and and like everybody in my family are is is creative you know my my 
dad's a musician. My brother's a musician. My grandpa's a musician. My mom is good at anything she tries to do (laughs) ever. It's annoying. Hmm. And, you know, like, it's just like everybody, I get, it's almost like that's the only thing about me that was predestined. Like there was no way I was going to reach the age of 18 without being a creative person because everybody in my family was. Like I remember being four or five years old and writing poems in the kitchen with my grandma. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the kind of stuff that you don't, a lot of kids don't have. They, they write their stuff in private and they hope that nobody ever sees them. Like I was five years old and my grandma would be like, what'd you write? Let me read it. I want to read it. And then she would tell me like grammatically what I had messed up on. Like my entire sense of syntax and grammar is, is literally like my, my grandmother being like, that's the wrong form of two. Like, okay, grandma, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So that's one aspect of it. The the next thing I wanted to say is as far as like the, why am I not living the indie dream or whatever? I think a lot of it has to do with luck. I think luck plays into a lot of, a lot of things, which I've, I've never even won a scratcher. Like I just, I'm not a lucky (laughs) individual. (laughs) Literally never have. Like, even if I'm with somebody and they're like, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket, I'm like, don't. It's a waste of money. You're not going to win. I've never even seen somebody win money. Mm. Well, you got the best hand of all, which was a fucking kick-ass family. Yeah, yeah. In a a lot of ways, I definitely credit a lot of the things I do to them because they never – they never bothered to, to try to change me. And I'm sure my stubbornness played a part in that too because I – I probably wouldn't have changed anyway, and they would have rather remained close to me than ostracize me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but uh, um, well, what about I, the argument that somebody would say that luck is preparation meeting opportunity? Sometimes that's true. Other times it's not. Like for instance, like when it comes to my personal life, if I hadn't been in the specific bar that I was in at that specific time when the girl that I'm dating walked in and needed a beer pong partner. And if I wasn't really fucking good at beer pong, (laughs) I would, my entire existence would be different right now. Like luck was 100% the only thing that, and the crazy thing about that is, is what led me to that bar that night to begin with was a long streak of bad luck where I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go drink until I black out. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a it's like a teeter totter of 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 bad luck with good luck, and then you you take the opportunities that are given when the pendulum is shifting. So luck that's that's one reason. I think that is the the biggest reason. Hmm. Uh, I, I, not the biggest; it's the second biggest. Mm-hmm. The first biggest is I have a real lack of motivation when it comes to being successful so i have a theory and this is where i'm sprinkling a little bit of asshole salt on this steak here but (laughs) okay i can't um, wait (laughs) i i think and this isn't a uh, your dick's too big for this part kind of criticism but i honestly have this theory that people who are super talented and gifted and they came, it came natural to them that they just don't have the ambition. It's like Allen Iverson, right? Like he was just too good. He didn't have to try, so he didn't try, and he didn't live up to his potential. One could make that argument. 
Um, there are some people that are so just they are the silhouette. They they got it all. They're they're destined to succeed. And so I think they unconsciously this is just a theory. I think they unconsciously, I don't want to say sabotage, but make it more difficult for themselves so they can say that they earned it by merit or something. For me, and this is just Knives Monroe's POV because this is my experience. Like I never had a gift. I never had a talent. Like talent shows, I was that guy that was like, fuck, I wish I had a talent. I wish I could play guitar. wish I could rap. wish I could do anything. I wasn't that guy. With filmmaking, like... I do it because I have to, but I'm not super great at it. The opportunities that I got to make bread, I'm not the best, most qualified guide for those jobs. I just show up early and I'm the last to leave and things like that. Like, it's just work. Um, I have that ambition to desperately live on, live and die by my own terms, but I don't have the talent. Like, I'm a result of mediocrity just... You might have the sharper axe, but I got more swings in me type of thing. I'm not saying you and me personally. This is just a macro kind of theory because I have friends that are just wicked, fucking wicked writers. Don't do anything with it. Wicked drawers. Don't do anything with it. Amazing guitarists who were playing guitar at five years old and could play Master of Puppets at five years old. Like, Don't do anything with it. And I feel bad because some of these friends are going to hear this and be like, fuck, this is the way he feels about me. But I tell them to their face, I'm like, you should be Elvis. If I had your skill, I'm here I am sounding like fucking Ben Affleck and Goodwill Hunting, and I don't mean to be so melodramatic, but it's, it's a theory. What are your thoughts on that? Well, two, two things. Uh, first thing is I, I feel about at least the majority of things that I do – I, I'm the I'm the same product that you are. Like I, you you found me at a time where I had already been making shit for four or five years. At that point, mm-hmm. I I went through four or five years of garbage, like serious, like the cringiest, worst shit ever. Like it was, it, it's it's embarrassing that I even attempted to make it. Type of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like if I look at back at the stuff I made when I was a teenager, it is like next level bad that goes for most of us in life right yeah uh but on the the secondary thing is i don't think everybody wants to be elvis yeah you know like like going back to your your beatles reference from earlier mm-hmm. some people want to be pete best yeah. you know what i mean yeah some people are, are cool with that yeah yeah and i i respect that because that's in line with my values like that self-awareness that's saying this is this is who I am, you know? Like, I feel that way. Like, I don't want to be Quentin Tarantino. Like, I want to be, gosh, I don't know, who's like an, a little indie darling, just a guy who, journeyman type guy, you know? Like, a Jonathan right. Demi. Jonathan Demi, who did Silence of the Lambs, he, he got accolades and stuff. He's made masterpieces, and inside the community like he's respected but he was never the rock star filmmaker you know right um well see and and that's that's the thing about the whole like i'm not confident on in who i am because i want to be both at the same time and it's just not possible you know what i mean like there like i like i i read i read authors like jd salinger Mm -hmm. and it and it 
pisses me off yeah that his output was so minimal yeah and then like one thing i love about going back to like charles bukowski the dude's written 40 some odd books you know like a lot of them are just collections of poetry and stuff like that but he put the work in and i admire that and then even going back to like a more traditional sense when i look at at athletes like michael jordan or lebron james and that like tenacity and drive is really admirable and i wish i had it and sometimes i do like i have to make i have to make something every day of my life i have to if i go a day without making something i feel like a total garbage piece of shit human being so i i have that but at the same time like if, if i were to make a like a portfolio of everything i've ever done Oof. It'd be it would it would take years just to make it. You it know? would be bananas for sure. It could so land have, you a job at fucking working for Steve O's dad, Pepsi or some shit. Like you could <laughs> you could do anything for for sure. I believe that. Well, I appreciate that. It's a fact. But but I I so I have I feel like I have that those traits that the those people that I love or admire or respect have. But I also have a certain amount of respect for somebody that just does it on their own terms, on their own time. And I have like, even the same thing that pisses me off about JD Salinger. I'm like, that is so fucking dope that you could write a masterpiece and then not want to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like, like you just did it and then you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be like a recluse now. Yeah. And that's going to be the rest of my life. Like there's a certain like risk. Like I have a certain amount of respect for somebody that there's not a single part of them that gives a shit about respect from the masses, which I, that's what I struggle with is mm-hmm. I, I don't care about being famous or, 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 or infamous even, but I want people that hate my guts to have to, to sit there and when they're talking shit about me somewhere in that conversation, they have to say, well, that he is good at what he does. Yeah. That's, that's enough for me. Yeah. You said you, you gave me everything I wanted. Let me just say that right now. Like if I had an agenda, which I didn't, it was just to talk to someone that I greatly admire. Um, you can go back and find these Judd Apatow tapes when he was 16 years old and he lied about his age saying that he worked for Rolling Stone or whatever, like that almost famous shit. And he's interviewing Jerry Seinfeld. And to me, this is that, even though I'm older than you. But that was my agenda was to talk to you. But you said the thing that I've not heard an artist put into words, which is you want to be the rock star, but also the guy that doesn't give a fuck. Who is, who's somebody in culture that pulled that off? I don't know if there is one. I feel like, because you, like I said, I don't, I think who you are is what everybody else makes you out to be. So let me say this. I, 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 you, you triggered me earlier and I almost didn't say it when we were talking about drugs. I had this thought today at the gym and it was an evil thought. And every now and then I get evil thoughts, which this goes back to, the voices, like they're all you at the end of the day. And, and I, I was like, why did I, why do I even think this is evil per se? But it was that, rea- you know, perception is reality. We've all heard that. And that is, if you can weaponize that, it's truly powerful. Um, people look at me a certain way and my persona, and they think that I'm too busy to talk to them when it's, it couldn't be any further from the truth, but perception is reality. There's a way to rig it. There's a way to hack it. And I think people that do that mediocre, mediocrity can rise to the top that way. Uh, the people that were documenting you that you were like, Hey, this, 
should be the other way around. I should be filming you. Perception is reality. How did they get that job? I mean, they looked, they, they shined, they were shiny at the right time in front of the right person, but maybe inside they had no contents, but they were shiny and perception is reality. And I felt like that was an evil thought because it's antithetical to authenticity. Try saying that five times fast, but, (laughs) and, and I would die for authenticity. I want people to say about Knives Monroe that he was not like everybody else. You know, he was himself. He struggled that it was, it was hard, but I know that when I was talking to him, I got the real him. He told me how he felt like that to me is vital. Um, it go, so I just wanted to get that perception is reality shit out because I look at Donald Glover, who's kind of like you, um, multifaceted, you know, he's done, he was a YouTube star. He was a writer on 30 rock and, uh, an actor on community and then did stand up, And now he's doing voice acting and he was Han, not Han Solo, but uh, that other guy, Lando. And, you know, he's a rapper and he can do everything. This fucking guy is like you master of none, perhaps, but he, well, let, let it, let it just, let it just be said though, that he's actually fucking brilliant at everything he does. Like, I, I don't feel like it's fair to compare the two of us. Well, it's a silhouette that I think, um, I put you guys in the same cabinet for sure. And he's someone who I think he traded. There's some people I, I want to be the indie darling. I like it. I don't, I don't want to be, um, the quarterback for the Eagles. Like, I want to be the coach for, you know, the high school game. And those, those kids went to war that night and they're going to live with that forever. And I feel good about that that night. Um, because I feel like the potency of those emotions, I don't think they get higher at the Super Bowl. I don't really think they do. I don't think our cells feel the difference. I think high is high to, to an extent, at least for me and my chemistry. I'm talking too much, but... Um, no, not at all. I'm, I'm definitely interested. <laughs> I, cool. I, uh, I don't perception is reality. I don't know who's that guy that fits that mold. That's, that's everything. Um, I learned right away that I, I just want to have cool people that I look up to in my phone. I just want their contacts and I want to be able to call them and say, what do you think about this? And brainstorm. Like, I love brainstorming. It sounds so corny and lame. It sounds like so Bill Nye the science guy. Like, we're going to brainstorm today, guys. It's going to be so much fun. But I love being in a room, whether I'm with people who are pouring concrete or people who work at a Whole Foods or whatever. Like, I just like being in a room and coming up with ideas and then an implementation, a plan where people can execute that and they do that and it works. And the, and the it's like... It's like being a theoretical physicist and you have the formula, you, it should work, and then it does work. Like, that's a fucking, I care about that more than fucking anything. If I can just do that, I'm a success. The money, all the bullshit, like, what I, the noise and the waves that I make on the internet is just to attract people into my world so we can brainstorm and, and make dope shit. That's it. I don't care where it goes. I don't care how, how much it makes. I, but here's the thing, like, you got to be worth a shit for someone to give you their time, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess it, it it depends on what you're what you're wanting to do. Like like you said earlier, going back to the thing about the the camera crew. Sometimes if if you're shiny, that's enough. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, but also I don't think you give yourself enough credit, man, because you have. I've seen a lot of the stuff you've made, and you know, I don't want it to be like a circle jerk or something, but you're definitely more talented than you think you are. I think people confuse. I want to accept that from Cody Weber so bad, just so you know. If I really believed it, I'd accept it. I, it's hard because I really think my only talent is is saying, eh, fuck it, I'm going to upload it anyway. That's it. Like, that's that's the only difference. Like That's exactly what I feel about myself, though. <laughs> that's so strange. Like, <laughs> you, you said to yourself, like, it would be nearly a fruitless, a fruitless endeavor to try to create your portfolio, right? If I gun to my head knives, create your portfolio, I'd be like, just fucking pull the trigger. What? Just fucking pull the trigger. Let me say I love you to my kids. Pull the trigger. I couldn't do it. I, I, I couldn't do it. But Oh, I didn't say I would enjoy doing it. That's why I've never <laughs> made one. <laughs> but my, my, my point is, I, I, it just, you know, it would be like, here's this, you know... I, I got nothing. Like I don't. You have such a body of work. You said something to me. I I called you. Um, I was at a Starbucks at the time last year. I want to say, and you said that the body of work that you make, like that, is your art. That is who you are. Like the collection, the the archive, the body of work. Like that is the art. And that really helped me man like it, it really did um i don't know if you eat your own dog food i don't know if you practice what you preach but that's something to me that i i tell other people i'm like that are struggling with the being an artist and eating and all that stuff it's like don't worry like just keep making the sculptures just say just keep saying tada and then you you have a constellation, you know, that you can be proud of. It, it, you got to look big picture when it comes to that. Do you have, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Like, do you have, like, what is your brass ring? Do you have goals? Like, what's the thing that you're like, what's that itch that you're like, I got to fucking do this by any means necessary. I just got to put something into the universe that wasn't there prior to, you know, like it's, it's, it's almost like I, I give birth in a way like uh, that's a super fucking corny, pretentious way to say it, but it's almost like giving birth to something every day. You know, like I, I make something that 20 minutes ago, that shit was not there. And if, if, if it takes me five minutes to do, there's a, a big chance that it's going to outlive me. You know, like if I were to put if the last thing I put out was the last thing I ever did. It would live longer than me. You know what I mean? Like it has a legacy with or without me. And that's that's another like that's a th- reason why I don't like explaining things that I do to people mm. because I feel like if I if you have a personal meaning to something that I've made and then I tell you what my meaning is, then it dilutes your meaning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It does. Yeah. So when you go back to like the the body of work thing, I do think that that is your legacy, but I also think that that is why I feel like I'm always wearing a mask because the thing that is most important to me, everybody in the room is going to see differently. You know, like the 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 art itself has a different meaning to every single human being that looks at it. And I feel like every person that has a conversation with me is talking to a different person. They're all me, but they're also none of them are me too. It's whatever you're getting out of it. 
you know, like you, you define who I am. It's not, it's not okay or okay. It just is. It's just the way that it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, like it, the, the same way, like how I'm perceiving you right now, there's no way your, your kids perceive you that way or your friends perceive you that way or your family or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> We're all like, people take little segments of what they want out of you as a human being. And that becomes like, like your, what's the term? Is it, is it flanderized? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you become what they already have the preconceived notion that you were to begin with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think you have to, I mean, and you don't even really have to, but I personally have to just accept that for what it is. You know, like if, if somebody loves me or loves what I make, that is awesome. And it makes me feel like, I don't think that the love has any less value because it's not a whole picture because I don't think there's ever such a thing as an entire picture. I think we're, we just take from things what we want or what we have to, or what we need to. And that's all we're capable of as like apes with thumbs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a very fatalistic way to look at it, but I also think it comes from. Does it experience. seem fatalistic? Yeah, you know, we're just monkeys with thumbs that create tools to make life a little easier, um, and we don't have control of the macro narrative because <coughs> we're all going to be in the dirt or whatever. Like, it's not not true. You know, it's not not true. So you, I asked you, you know, like about your ambitions and stuff, and you answered the question. You know, I don't need to harp on it. But if I may, um, you're talking about putting things into the universe that aren't there. Let's just, for the sake of conversation, call that making deposits. If you had to make a withdrawal, like what does that look like for you? You're putting stuff into the universe. Like what do you, with no expectation in return, and I think, Cody Weber, I think you're going to leave this universe having given more than you took. Even at your most self-indulgent, it's just one man's two cents. But if you had to make a withdrawal and say, hey, universe, just for a second there, like throw me a bone, what, what, what would that look like for you that would match your ideals, your virtues, where you can have your cake and eat it too in a perfect fucking fantasy world, what would that look like? Well, I mean, in a, even in a, in a perfect world, the, the success that I want wouldn't, wouldn't even be for me. You know what I mean? Like if, if I had a perfect world, I would... I would be like dead mouse or something just without the identity behind it. You know what I mean? I would, I would make things that were super successful and made me super rich so I could take care of the people that I love and care about. And hmm. if, if, if I was going to make like a withdrawal, it wouldn't be for me. It would be, of course. you know, so my, my sister didn't have to worry about rent ever again, you know, hmm. or my dad could actually maybe retire at some point, which I don't think he's ever going to get a chance to do. Wow. You know, it's, like, it, it's, it's stuff like that for me. Like I want to be successful, not for myself. Yeah. If, if I'm, if I'm viewing it like completely selfishly, if I was, if I didn't have anybody that I cared about, I would just sit in a, I would literally get a studio apartment. I would probably bartend or something to pay my bills and to eat ramen noodles and bologna and shit. <laughs> And I, I would just make shit, and that would be it. The I think the only reason I have the motivation I have to, the the like small twinkle of it in my heart or whatever, 
the only reason I have it is, is because I want to take care of people that have emotionally taken care of me. You know, like I, I feel like I owe a debt to a lot of people mm-hmm. and I, I don't feel like I am emotionally capable a lot of the time to repay the debt that they've given me. Or I don't feel like I'm even at in a position where I could do that. Even, even if, you know, I, I'm personally capable, they're not capable of accepting it. You know, one of, one of the, the two things, but everybody could have their load lightened a little bit. And I feel like if I, if I could do something where it made me a substantial amount of money that I could at, at the very least, like relieve the, the burden of guilt in my heart for the, the debt that I owe to people that I presently cannot pay. Hmm. Thank you for that reminder, man. Like you see those Instagram quotes of stuff like that, you know, where it's like give more than you take and you know, the golden rule and stuff like that. But hearing it for you, from you for some reason, like resonates with me. Like, yeah, we are, I can speak for myself too, you know, um, in complete debt for the people who sacrificed their dreams for us to dream and for people who got out of our way so we can be pretentious assholes, essentially. Like I totally agree with you and family first, for sure. Um, you have what somebody told me once and I never forgot it. Um, a very bankable skill, which is like a very DC way of saying like, especially now Cody Weber, like, (laughs) this is a golden age for photographers and for artists, video artists. Because I I feel the exact opposite is true. I think it's oversaturated. Uh, Everybody's a photographer now. It it is oversaturated. It it is. But that's because there's a lot more horse shit that's out there. A lot more. And I feel like I'm one of those. Like, I, I, you know, I'm still... there's like this future me that's like a marathon or like a light year away for me that I want to get to and be like, ah, I've arrived at like, you know, it's like having the six pack or something like, okay, cool. Like I, I got it. I can take the picture now or whatever. Like I'm not the, I'm not the dream artist I want to be. I don't know how realistic that person is or even capable or possible of being but that's something i still want to be too like i want to be the best i want to be the best me um being the best me i feel like i can make the most impact and make the most change um to go back to the mission which is like you said like helping your family and everything we are in a golden age man like there are so many people that see the value in what you do that would pay you retarded amounts of money to take pictures for them that would probably never see the light of day, but that's not really your fucking problem. You know what I mean? Right. And well, I, on the, on the off chance that one of those people that would pay me an absurd amount of money to make something happens to be watching this, hit me up. Cause I'll, I'll take your money. Well, good to know. Good to know, <laughs> oh. man. How are, how are you doing? Um, how are you doing like bread wise? Uh, you know, I have, it's like feast or famine, you know, like I have periods that sounds where terrible. It is, but it's also <laughs> been the only thing I've ever really known. In fact, but there I kind was a of year where you made like close to six figures or something, no? 
Yeah, though there was like in from 2015 to 2017, I had two very good gigs that paid me very well. And I'm sure you've walked past a store and have probably seen one of my photos in an advertisement and didn't even know that you did. Wow. That's awesome. Which was which was super cool. And it that it goes back like going back to like my mother. She when she talks about my life, she talks about that as like the apex. That's the you were doing so good for yourself. You know, you had like a three bedroom house and you were, go, you were taking vacations and these companies were flying you all around the country to, to do work. And I never tell her otherwise. And I kind of hope she doesn't hear this, but in, in truth, the reality is that was arguably the darkest period of my life. I wasn't doing anything for myself. I was everything I was you, if, I don't care how much you love something. Like, there's that stupid fucking phrase that I hate, where they say if you if you make a job out of what do you uh, what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That is such horseshit. Because I don't care how much you love something, if you do it for 17 hours in a row, when you get home, that's the last fucking thing you want to do. You know, like you just want to sit back and do nothing. And I was so emotionally drained from from the the money that i was making and though it was super awesome to be able to take my niece to build a bear and be like get whatever you want and <laughs> she she stuffs like six fake hearts in her bear each one at like 15 dollars a pop and i didn't give a shit you know that was awesome and that's yeah. that I, you know that's ultimately the goal that i want to be able to give to people that i care about not just my family but my friends too you know i want to be the guy that when I when I go to the bar or something and my buddies are there, I take care of their tab all night and it doesn't bother me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, but the 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 truth of it was was I it, it's it's like that seesaw thing, man. Like I I was just doing so much that I was so lean, like in the soul or whatever that it didn't matter how much money was in my bank account. And by the time I left the job anyway, all that money was gone anyway. So it didn't, it didn't really change anything. At least with, with what I have now, all of my like situations, it's like, okay, I got to come up with this for rent. I got to come up with this for food, with, with this for electricity, this for water. It's all like very short-sighted and I could be like, okay, I've made that much. I'm good. Now, if I have a little bit extra, maybe we can go out to eat you know, or have a decent dinner, go to like a sushi place or something. It, it allows me the freedom to make things on my own terms. And I would rather be broke and creative than rich. In my mind, what I thought was rich, because I never had that kind of money before in my life, rich and broke inside. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. I uh, I'll just say this. I am in the middle of a transition for a new job, and I was somebody's personal videographer, photographer, social media poster, editor, podcast producer, like all that shit. Um, for a celebrity for the past two years, and it had its surreal moments. It had it. It had its positively overwhelming moments. And it afforded me tremendous life experiences, and I'm very grateful for that time. But I will say that if my brand or my passion or my art 
um, first and foremost, was a pet dog. For two years, that dog went without eating, without shelter. Um, it got mange. It was, you know, got ticks, like everything. I just kind of like abandoned it. And that was the trade-off. Like it, it, was, it was a trade. Like it, it's hard to find that balance where you're living the life that you mentioned, you know, where you could go to build a bear, get whatever you want, and still play your music your way. Um, what would it take? And I've lived it too. And I did it for two years and I had to put my shit on hold. And I looked at it like, um, I looked at it like, like this is going to sound so dramatic and I regret saying this already. And I don't mean it like this. Not every person who serves in the military sees combat, right? So it doesn't have to be about war per se, but it would be like doing a a couple, it'd be like doing a, a tour in Afghanistan, Iraq. Like I did it for two years. Cool. I got the, I got the experience. Maybe I didn't call home a lot and have a steady girlfriend and like put a lot of money away or something, you know, whatever those examples are. That's I'm just using a metaphor people. Cause I don't know who's going to hear this, but I put those two years in, but it was a job. Like it was a job. And I got a lot of life experience out of it and I see the world differently. And, uh, this, this ain't a flex. Like I ain't that type of guy, but I'm going to prefer, I think the job that I have now, and I'm making it a mission to not sacrifice my art and my time and my creativity for the gig. I understand that I got to eat and I got to pay for my fucking fancy Wi-Fi and shit. Like I, I, I get that. Um, but I'm not going to sacrifice it. Like I, I can't, and I rather, like you said, um, get fired for making podcasts on the side or something, um, than just kind of be a drone and get by and, and live for the paycheck. Like the paycheck ain't enough. Like it just ain't enough. It, it'll never be enough. It's not even close. Yeah. Like, especially if you're, if you're doing it on a personal level and you don't personally value money. I you hate know? money. Like it's not my favorite thing in the world. I like it when I have it because I can do stuff that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. But I, when I live for it, it's, it's the worst fucking thing for me. I understand. What would be some things that you, like how do you work out in terms of your art? Like, what do you need so you can feed that pet? Like, what what do you need? Like, you can you you can be very busy and you're a hardworking guy. You could dedicate yourself to a project, but what what would you need in your day to be like? Okay, but you know, when I wake up, I'm going to do this, or before I go to bed, I'm going to do that. Like, how do you how can you balance that? Like, what would that look like in a dream scenario for you? I'm curious. In a dream scenario, I would just be getting paid to do what I do already. I would just have a financial backing behind what I'm already doing. Like if I never, like, and I, again, I hope that none of the people that I work for regularly hear this, mm -hmm. but if I, if I never had to do family portraits again or another wedding, all the like bullshit parts of what I do just to get by, if I never had to do that again, that's the dream scenario for me. If I could get by on just making stuff 
for some for for somebody. I don't care what it what it's for. Just making something for somebody, but it's on my own terms, and they just use what I give them. You know, like ideally, what I wish would happen is a company just hire me as like a on a freelance basis, and they pay me a salary. And I just do what I do and they use what they want and then disregard the rest. You know what I mean? I don't have to think about it. I don't have to travel anywhere to do anything. I don't have any commitments. I just make what I make and it is enough, you know, Hmm. which which is why I kind of wish that you could still make money as a writer. Because if I could just make money sitting on a chair and hammering out the keys – that that's the ideal situation for me. Where what do I, you what do you write exactly? You sent me something online, and we don't have to talk about it. But I didn't get to go through it. Um, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's it's a it's a book I'm working on. I just figured maybe you'd like to check it out. I, I cannot wait. Um, I'm honored. I'm so fucking honored. And finally, I have something that. I mean, I got a bookshelf, and I got a shitload of stuff I haven't read. This is something that I'm going to make a priority. So thank you for that. What. What do you write or what do you want to write that, that you could get paid for? Like all these things are, are hackable for sure. I'm just trying to figure you, figure I mean, you out. When it, when, it, when it comes to writing, I don't have – like that's the most pessimistic part of me, which sucks because it's also the thing that I value the most. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's much of a career in being a writer anymore. I don't think people value – like people as a whole value literature in the same way they value visual art. Do you write nonfiction or fiction rather? No, not really. I think, mo- I mean, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of have this alter ego, I guess, when I'm writing. So it's like, I'd say 70% truth, 30% embellishment. Um, but it's, there are people I, that I, are making money on medium. Have you heard of medium? I've, I've made money on medium. Oh, that's what I'm saying. There are people who are making money doing video essays that are like my favorite YouTubers are the ones that write something, however many words it takes to make a 10 to 15, 20 minute video spoken word. Um, and I think that's tremendous space for sure. Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. But I also think that the, the last remaining sector of like writing that you can really make money with is being a critic which is the last thing i want to be in life you know people tell me all the time like you have such strong opinions about things like why don't you make like a music review channel or a movie review channel and i think there's for every one artist there's 25 critics and i just don't want to be one of those people it's probably for every one artist there's ten thousand critics but i know what you mean yeah, it's probably um, under embellishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, probably twenty five that get paid, but the rest still just do it recreationally. Um, no, I agree. I see what you're saying. Um, have you thought about? Are you still in Keokuk? I am indeed. Um, have you thought I, about at moving? This point, at this point, I don't think I will. Like, I have, hmm. I have a home base here. My family's here. My girlfriend's family's here. I. You know, like I feel like my there's certain members of my family that need me around, which gives me a like a small sense of purpose. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just I feel like ideally I wish I was on the West Coast. Like that's where I wish I was, but the the burden that would come with it 
not just the like the fact that everything is fifty thousand times more expensive out there, but the the personal burden of feeling like I left behind something that needs me there. You know, like maybe once my my the young members of my family are are grown up a little bit and they you know they don't view me as like the cool uncle anymore or whatever then mm-hmm. then maybe I, I i could feel at liberty to to go somewhere else or do something but i left for a long time i left keokuk for i don't know nine ten years and you know i lived in new orleans i i lived near detroit i lived in chicago you know i i tried to make that work but the the truth is that i'm just a small town kind of guy i prefer i like that i can get to anywhere i need to go in town in five minutes you know what I mean? There's no traffic jams. There's no congestion. There's no, like, I'm just not a people person at all. So living in a place where there's not a ton of them is preferable for me. I get that. I get that. I was living in a border town in South Texas called the Rio Grande Valley. It's just desert and trash and palm trees and no jobs. And I had to leave, and I went to Austin, which was only five hours away, and it was the closest place that was anywhere. I mean, if it didn't matter what city it was. It was just the closest place. And I just was going on a run one day, and I told myself, like, if, like, I'm dying out here. Like, if I just take this energy and put it in a place that has more opportunities, same energy, I think it could, I think it could provide me more opportunity and more like something lucrative. And that turned out to be the case. Like I, all I did was move. I was just me and I moved and I didn't necessarily work harder. I was just working at my pace, but there was more um, just at bats, like just chances. Uh, people would take risks and I fucked up a lot of, you know, opportunities, but I finally got um, lucky, as you said, like, um, I got lucky. It's just the the black and white of it. Um, I do think this is where I'm going to quote Tony Robbins, and I'm sorry. You can roll your eyes. I can't see you, but feel free. I do believe that that proximity is power. Like where you're at geographically or relatively in in space matters, um, depending on what you're after. Um, For For sure. I would give some advice to certain friends and family um, that would sound something like fuck your mom, fuck your parents, fuck your, your family. Like they're holding you back. Like go to college, go do the thing that you want to do. Like, you know, own a bookstore, like be yourself, like fuck that burden. It sounds like that's not the case here with you. It sounds like you got love, you know? Um, what would be the point in living in a studio apartment in New York City if you're not surrounded by the things that you love? Like, it would be worthless. Um, right. Well, I mean, that's that's definitely one way to look at it. But in, in another way, like, my, you know, I have another love with, with the arts. And it sucks that there's not, like, it's weird that there's a there's an odd amount of really talented people in this specific town I live in. I know probably 25 artists that I would put on par with, anybody i've ever seen and they all live here wow but um it would be cool to live in a place where i could check out new stuff all the time i feel like i would at at the very least i'd maybe be a little more inspired you know Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it's, it's one it's it's one of those like give and take things. I just feel like at present where I am right now, it's it's it might not be smarter for me in a like career sense, but in a in a personal sense, I feel like I'm where I need to be. That's all that matters. I'm happy to hear that. Um, you put out some content that makes your followers, your subscribers, your listeners, whatever worry about you sometimes it's like is cody good is cody good is he good um and then when you're good it's like ah cody's cody's good that's great you know and it sounds like you're good and that's that makes me really happy it it, it does um i look at that video that i made a response for as if not an official goodbye planting the seed of a of a turnover for sure um and if that is the case, cool. Like, you had a great run. Um, I also operate under the never say never. You know, in order to come back, you got to leave. I get it. Um, but I'm just, I, I, you know, I always got to keep an eye on you because I look at you as, you know, just someone that I wanted to be, you know. Um, I just really love blows my mind. I love honestly. the uniform, man. Like I love the silhouette. I love the shape of of this indie kid who was like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna do whatever I want. I don't care if you like it." Also, here and it's good. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I I love that. You know, it's it's not just. I don't. Like, I don't. I don't know if I had that bravado about it. It was more just like. It was more just like a. I have to do this. <laughs> I hate to bring this up, but, um, you know, I'm sure there's no hard feelings and it doesn't matter. It's, it's not my hill to die on. But you made a feature on YouTube that was about 50 minutes back in the day. A documentary. About uh, The Amazing Atheist? That was the first, like, time I saw someone make a, a feature or at least present it that way on YouTube. And I was like, this motherfucker, like he's living my dream. Not that I wanted to work with TJ. I mean, no, but the fact that you made a documentary, like, um, and for what it's worth, like his heyday was that era with you. I'd, I'd like to believe that. And I'd also like to, to believe that he would say the same if he was being honest about it. I don't, I don't have any sour grapes about that, that dude at all. You know, I think, I think we're both past our our YouTube prime or whatever. So there's no, there's no real reason to have it. You know, I'm yeah. sure he's having like a, a bigger crisis about it than I am because I, I didn't put all of my eggs in that basket. Yeah. That's a good um, point. But I, you know, I also, it's, it's weird you say that because I did not give that documentary the love and care that it deserved for sure. I, w- I was more like, uh, again, that was one of those like real dark periods in my life. And on top of working on a documentary, I was also responsible for filming and editing all of his videos. And he was doing videos for multiple platforms at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was literally pulling 15, 16 hour days doing nothing but videos of this human being, which I didn't find particularly interesting to begin with. It was just something to do, you know. So wow. I, like I, I, I've, I recent, it's weird to bring it up because I recently was like, I wonder if I feel any different about it now than I did, you know, two or three years ago or whatever. Last time I checked it out. Cause the, the time before this, I could only get through the 
first 10 minutes before I'm like, oh, God, this is not good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I you should it, feel that I, way. If you look at something that's 10 years old, you should be like, I could have did 100 different things better, for sure. Right, but it, it it's not even... It, for me, it's the thing that makes me cringe is that it, I can tell it, I wasn't giving it priority. You know what I mean? There's like, there's lazy cuts. There's, there's like shots that aren't really in focus. There's times where I should have used a a shotgun mic and instead I, I opted to use the onboard audio, just like things that most people wouldn't even realize. But I, I see my laziness in that. Were you compensated appropriately? Oh, hell no. <laughs> well, fuck them then. I mean, then you get what you pay for. How about that? But that's not, I don't think that's really the point. I like for, for like the product exists, whether or not I was compensated for it. You know what I mean? And I understand, to it. but at the same time, like finished is better than perfect sometimes. Do you think so? Cause yes. I would rather, I, I, I don't think perfect is a real thing, but I think adequate by your own standards is a thing and that fell far short of the goal i think you know like a touchdown's a touchdown sometimes you know yeah but it's sometimes like, it's sometimes I, I, it's I guess messy if we're talking i know you said earlier that you don't give a shit about touchdowns but yeah. there was this there was <laughs> the way that the way that i view that if you're going to say a touchdown is a touchdown is yeah. there was this game a few years ago where it was the packers and the seahawks and the end of the game was called by a interception that should have been a touchdown, but it was ruled an, inter- an interception. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that documentary is that catch. It, it, it mm. should have been ruled, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but, it, but it, it's that in reverse because it, it was a touchdown that should have been ruled an interception. Ooh. You know what I mean? Ooh. Ooh. I like that. Yeah. You just jujitsued that. That's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know, we can armchair quarterback that <laughs> documentary all day. But the point is, like, you were a pioneer, you know? You are a pioneer. Like, everything just looked like it came so natural to you. Like, it was a second nature thing. It, it looked like somebody gave you the handbook on how to, on what what notes to hit, you know, on YouTube. And I was like, this fucker. And I was just playing catch up. Like, I still feel like I'm playing catch up with you, man. So yeah, I, I know um, being maybe hyperbolic to some ears out there, but this is just my truth. This was someone that, you know, surely somebody has a Cody Weber um, archetype, like in their life. Like if you're a musician, you might look at somebody that way. And uh, let me just say this too, like, please don't, take this ball and run with it. What's up with these fucking sport metaphors? Um, it's just crazy, but, um, it's the nature of the game. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, I, <laughs> I love it. But I don't want you to think that I'm looking at you as some person that's like not reaching their full human potential. And no, it's, it's not that like, I ain't sunning you like that. I'm not, I'm just like a little, it's news to my ears to hear, um, the perception is reality and i'm like cody weber was living the indie dream and and so it wasn't that case all the time that's that's like the real human story you know it's like maybe that guy from motley crew didn't snort a line of ants like we want to believe but um i and and that's not a that's not a bad thing you know like it's not like you are living a life 
of a true creative in the 21st century in 2019, you know, you're still at it. Um, you've said it yourself. You've thought of so many times where you're like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't picking up a camera today. You know, like I've quit. I don't know how many times, like just a month ago I was tweeting, like, I hate movies. I hate filmmaking. Fuck YouTube, all that shit. And then, you know, it's funny how things work out, but so I feel you, man. But you know, going back and I'll, I'll end it with this and uh, I'll let you give some final words. Um, but like a wrestling match, I feel like the game is a last man standing match. And I've seen you come up at nine so many times. And you strike me as a guy that when you stay down for 10, that'll be the day you die. Uh, for sure. And I don't think I'm capable of it, at least not while I'm breathing. Because it's like I said, it's the only thing I have. I show any promise in at all. Like if I were to decide tomorrow I was going to be an electrician or some shit, I might be able to learn it, but I'm not going to be talented at it. I'm not going to feel like I, I show real skill, you know, like the only, the only utility I offer is the stuff that I do. So I, I might, like I've been doing it for so long. I don't know a life where I didn't do it literally. Like I can't think of a single memory in my life where I wasn't making something. It's just been a part of my existence for so long that I don't, I don't think giving up is an option. I just think that the idea of potential is a very relative thing. You know, I feel like I'm reaching my potential just with the output that I'm putting out. And it, whether I touch five people or 500, I, I would rather touch 500. But if five people get off on what I do, then that's something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really need that much. I, I, I yearn for minimalism. That's, you know what? And that's totally in right now as well so you should you should <laughs> so bank on that it is if you want a million views just put fucking the word minimalism in your in your title but no i i uh, i don't want to say he's a friend but i know this guy who his wallet is a ziploc bag and he just hitchhikes to mexico and um he's like an alien from outer space like he is unplugged from the matrix like he's just a fucking free and he comes from a from a fancy pants family and they just don't get it. And it's the ultimate win. Like this guy will never be on a poster in some kid's bedroom, right? For these, for these efforts. But in my eyes, I'm like, this guy's fucking free. Like he could into the wild Emil Hirsch, like snip his um, social security card and just, and just be free. Like I, I envy that too, you know? And, and he's a minimalist as well and, and um, doesn't speak Spanish. And he just figures it out. Like, I truly admire that. And I, and I look at you like that guy, except like a talented, tall, good-looking version. So <laughs> You are giving me far too much credit, man. I promise. Man, you got like some distorted reality shit going. You got body dysmorphia. And you know you do, bro. <laughs> That's what this is. I made yeah, a movie it, about body dysmorphia. So I'm an expert. It, it, <laughs> it's it's been suggested for sure <laughs> there you go. thank you so much for this podcast man um i gotta say while we're in the moment and this will be a part of the podcast uh this is a dream come true like this is the longest podcast i've ever done on my show um it's with somebody that i admire a peer and i just forgot we were doing it and it was just like a conversation so this is 
this is a dream, man. And thank you for, for, for giving this to me. It, well, it means yeah. a lot. You, got, you, you made my morning when you made that video today and you've made my night by just saying what you just said. Like if, if I, if I, if I affect one person positively in a day, I've done my good deed. You've so. done your good deed, man. So thank you for <laughs> that. I appreciate you. Oh yeah, man. Thank you so much.